Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. Today, I have a treat for everybody. I have voice actress Kira Buckland, who in 2007 won the Anime Expo 2007 AX Idol voice acting competition. And she's appeared in movies such as 5 Centimeters Per Second, she's appeared in the anime Adnola Zero, Dura Ra, Magi, and Blue Exorcist, to name a few. So, without further ado, we're just going to dive right into the interview, everybody, and I hope you enjoy it. How were you first introduced to anime and video games? Well, unlike a lot of people I know, I didn't really get to watch a lot of anime or play a lot of games growing up. So I became a teenager that I started getting really into that stuff. I used to like drawing characters from Sailor Moon and I was never very good at drawing. And then eventually I kind of realized that there were people who do the voices and that it was something that I wanted to do. As for games, I've always been into fighting games. The first one that really got me hooked was Soul Calibur 2. And then my favorite one to stay is the Guilty Gear series. And at what age did you begin to make your transition from watching and playing games into voice acting? Well, it was actually kind of a longer process for me because I did it as a hobby for so long. I knew that I always wanted to do it as a career, but I grew up in Alaska, so obviously there's not really opportunities to do paid voice work or anything like that up there. But people do this stuff for fun, then their voices on like flash animations and stuff like that, and you record from your computer, and that sounded perfect because you know I was like 16 at the time, didn't know how I was going to get started, so signed up for these sites and started auditioning. And I was really not good when I first started, as to be expected. That's most people, but it was after getting acting training that really started helping me become better. I never really did stage or camera or anything like that, but I took a theater class in college just so that I could become a better actor and that really helped for voice acting. Now you mentioned internet roles. What were some of your first internet roles? Um, I used to do a whole bunch of stuff from Newgrounds.com because back in like 2005 when I was really active on the site, there just weren't a lot of voice actresses. So a lot of times it was just the animators doing their own voices for the cartoons and the user base of the site tended to be more male. So a lot of times if they had a female voice in the animation, it was like, you know, their sister or their girlfriend or like they pitched up their own voice or whatever. So I kind of had an advantage in the sense that, hey, like I'm a voice actress and I want to help you out with your animations and I would send them my demo reels which of course were homemade at the time and everything and then got in a few that got kind of viral and that helped. Now you went to college in Alaska yes. and one of your big breaks was being part of the AX Idol competition. How did you discover this competition? As long as I've been into anime and stuff like that I was really up on the cosplay and convention scene and because I lived in Alaska at the time and travel out of state was very expensive a lot of our options for traveling to conventions were pretty much the west coast. Anyway when I heard about the competition it seemed like kind of the perfect opportunity for me because I knew that Bing Zoom Entertainment who was putting it on was kind of open to finding new talent and obviously I'd been practicing for several years with the online stuff by this point and just really wanting to go and make them notice me I guess so I started taking private acting lessons with my acting teacher and for the first round of the competition you had to prepare a monologue from anime or something like that and so I did one from the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya because Haruhi was a character that I felt I could really relate to and come up with a pretty fitting voice for so I trained 
with my acting coach, started working on the monologue and had it pretty ready to go by the time I was down there. I was still super surprised when I ended up winning. As part of winning, you don't get guaranteed a role or anything like that. You just get to go in and have like a real audition. You kind of get your foot in the door. You get to see what it's like behind the scenes and stuff. But I mean, obviously, I still lived in Alaska. So it's like, yeah, we like you, but you know, we can't really use you till you move here. So eventually, when I moved out to California, that's when things started really taking off for me. Now, prior to you moving out to California, you created a convention. How did you go about creating an anime convention in Alaska? That was when I was 17, senior in high school and the president of my anime club. And at the time, I didn't really realize all that goes into it or this and that. I was just like, hey, these other states have these anime conventions. We don't have one up here. Do you guys want to start one? And everyone's like, okay, I guess. So it's obviously grown a lot since the first year that it was held in the high school cafeteria. And now it's run by a whole team of people and it's in a legitimate convention. Center. Now, after you won the AX Idol competition, how long was it before you had your first audition for a major anime role? Well, the thing is, most people don't start auditioning for major stuff. A lot of times, you kind of start doing small parts, background scenes, and you work your way up. My first actual named anime role was in a show called Ika R16 that a lot of people will have heard of, but I was pretty excited because I was the second to main characters, so. And let's talk a little bit about Aka R16. How did that all come about where you played the character of Eri? I don't think I auditioned for that one, to be honest. Like, sometimes if they think your voice fits something based on other auditions, they will just bring you in for a part. I mean, obviously, the client has final say over the voice. So sometimes if the client requests you, that'll help a lot or this or that. But that's always a really nice surprise when it's something that you didn't even audition for. And they're like, hey, we think you'd be a good fit for this character. So come in and record. Now, Eerie is an interesting character. How'd you get inside the character of her? Well, I love playing mean girls. And even back when I was doing stuff online, that was kind of my typecast with the Sundares and the snobby girls and stuff like that. So that's always been like a really natural archetype for me to play. And even to this day, I get cast as a lot of that type of character. Like it was just announced today, I am in a game called Stella Glow and I play a character named Dorothy. She's just so cute and small looking, but she's savage and I love it. And my character in the new Sailor Moon dub is like that. My Danganronpa character is like that. My Disgaea 5 character was basically like snobby rich princess. <laughs> so I'm not a mean person or stuck up in real life or anything, but I just really like to play that character type. And for some reason, I've always really been able to get into playing those kind of roles. Now, after your role as Eerie, you were in the anime Morbito, Guardians of the Spirit, as well as the show Tweeny Witches. How did those two shows differ from your role in Ikea R16? Well, those were some of my first ones, too. So, again, they were pretty small parts, just kind of we showed up in two or three episodes, and it's still a cool experience. I think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to do ADR because you look at it like, say, you're watching anime by yourself or something. Oh, I could do that. It doesn't seem that hard, or you practice with your friends or whatever, but when everything has to be so precise, then... It's actually kind of tough because you have to be looking at the script with your line on it. You have to be looking at the picture. You know, you only get to hear the preview of it once to hear what the Japanese actress did. So you kind of have to think really fast and generally not you get to study beforehand or whatever. You just you jump in. 
And then in 2009, you were in a short anime movie, five centimeters per second. How did you receive this role? And how did this role differ from an anime television show? Well, the process for recording an anime movie and anime show are pretty similar, to be honest. It's the same thing. You have the script with the different lines on it and the time codes and everything. And you go in and you match it to the picture. The only real difference that I can point out would be if you're working on a long-running show, like, say, 26 episodes and you're a lead character, then you're going to be doing a lot more sessions over the course of time. And now in 2012, you appeared in Blue Exorcist. How is this role different from your previous roles? Blue Exorcist, probably even to this day, one of the most popular shows that I was in because it was actually shown on TV for a little bit. My character was not in every episode. She wasn't like super, super main character, but she was still a major character who was important to the overall show. And... She was also kind of a mean girl, which was a lot of fun. Another fun experience I had working on that show was we did the Blue Exorcist movie, and they did a little showing at this theater in downtown Los Angeles. So I dressed up as my character, and I got to go watch it, and that was just so much fun because, you know, it's not often that you get to go to something like that and actually see your character on a big screen. And in 2013, you appeared in LaGrange, Flowers of Rinne, Excel mm -hmm. World, and Maggi. How did you feel that your characters in these shows were viewed versus your previous roles that you had? For my Lagrange character, she was kind of a dork, if anything. Like, she was very over-enthusiastic and sometimes, like, too optimistic about everything. And it would lead her into trouble because she's like, yeah, I can do this. And then she actually can't. So, vocally, she was pretty close to what I often did. Excel World was something a little outside of my usual norm because Kuroyukihime is very calm and refined and high class but not really like snobby like she's very much like oh I want to help Haruyuki and, and stuff like that so I guess keeping that balance of not going too big because in a lot of my previous roles it was just like be big and loud and this and that and sometimes it can actually be harder when you're used to doing that to play a character where you have to be more subtle where you have to let those emotions come across in a small way. And now in 2015, you were part of Durarara X2, where you were the character Mika, which you took over from somebody from season one. What was challenging about taking over a character from another voice actor? I think the most difficult thing with that is the fans are attached to the original voice. So when it came out, of course, I got a couple of comments being like, oh, I like her previous voice better. But it was just literally a situation because the actress had moved out of L.A. and wanted to pursue other things. So she couldn't really come back. But, you know, obviously the fans are going to be disappointed because they're just like, oh, it's a different voice. A lot of people who were getting into the show, especially after the second season, they're like, oh, I really like it. You know, I think it's kind of the same thing if you watch a Japanese, why you can be hesitant to hear it in English because it's a little jarring. They did play her voice reference for me so I could try to match the tone and energy. I just didn't get to hear it a whole lot to really match it that much. So a lot of what I did was my own combined with what I heard in the Japanese. And you were also involved in Pokemon X and Y, which is our generation, what we 
grew up on. What was it like being part of a Pokemon show? Well, that was awesome. I was just in one quick episode, like a character. The show is recorded in New York, and I happened to be there visiting a friend, and he called in a favor for me and was like, hey, you can do like a small part in an episode of Pokemon. For a while, it wasn't going to air because sometimes certain episodes, maybe not a good idea to air this episode, and they'll put it off. So I didn't know if it was ever going to show, but then it eventually did. And just recently, you've been involved in two very popular animes, Kill a Kill, where you were in two episodes of that anime, and you're also involved in the redubbing of Sailor Moon. How did those roles come about, and how did you deal with the popularity of the shows? Obviously, Kill a Kill is a very popular show, but because the characters I did were so small and so minor, I didn't really get a lot of people coming to me and being like, hey, I like your character. That's more for the main cast. But of course, it was cool to be a part of something so big like that. And for Sailor Moon, no one's heard what I did yet because it (laughs) hasn't come out. I was actually really surprised that I was allowed to talk about that so soon because usually we have to wait till the DVDs out or if it's a game, you have to wait till the game's actually released. And sometimes that can be like a year after you record. So when all of a sudden I woke up to all these tweets and people being like, congratulations on Sailor Moon. I was like, whoa, I did that like last week. So how do you feel that you had the opportunity to be part of Sailor Moon? and the redubbing of it. A lot of my friends were in the Sailor Moon dub, been friends for a long time with the girl who plays Sailor Mars and a few others. And I just wasn't really getting an opportunity to audition with this place. But then the client had heard my voice somewhere in some other project and was like, hey, I think she would be a good fit for this character, Mimette, because the character looks really cute, but is mean and evil. Now to shift away from anime and talk about video games. Your first video game role was White Chamber as the voice of Sarah. How did you get this role? That one was actually something I did from home and it was when I was still doing voice acting online and everything. My first console games that I did was I did a 3DS game called Away Shuffle Dungeon which like nobody ever played but I bought when it came out because I was excited about being in a DS game and I did just a few characters in that because on the original DS games there wasn't a lot of room for dialogue so you'd be playing like maybe five characters and they'd say three things each or whatever but now with the 3DS a lot more room so like I did a game called Devil Survivor 2 and my character had so many lines I don't even know how many but it was like so much dialogue and it was all voiced so it's obviously come a long way but you're kind of seeing the return to that too with mobile games becoming really popular because it's the same thing they can't fit a whole lot of memory sometimes you'll be playing a bunch of characters but they won't say much. The other early console game I did was Castle Crashers for the Xbox 360 and later PS3 and that I got through Newgrounds actually. What is the different ways that you record for an indie game versus a game for a platform like the Xbox 360 or the 3DS or a DS game? Well an indie game a lot of times they will be casting online so you just record from home. A lot of indie games now are paid which is really cool but back in the day when I first started doing Flash games or this or that or whatever, a lot of times it was still just kind of like volunteer voice acting as a hobby thing. But then with the advent of Kickstarter and other crowdfunding, now people are like, okay, we can pay our voice talent even if it's not industry rates, it's something. So a lot of up and coming voice actors are kind of making a name for themselves doing indie games. And it's a really good place to kind of launch your career, I think. But a lot of times you'll just be recording that from home because they're not going to have the budget to put everyone in a studio and stuff like that. 
that. But usually, you know, the director or the creator of the game will want to have some say in how the voice is done. So they will want to direct you live and Skype is a popular thing for that because you can still be recording on your end, but they can say, okay, do this faster, slower, different energy. And you've appeared in a few franchise-type games, one of them being Eltier Asia, the Alchemist of the Dark series. How did you get involved mm-hmm. in that game series? Well, again, it was through a studio that I regularly work with, Bing Zoom Entertainment, and... I can't remember if I had to audition for that one or not, because I would say about half the time we'll send out auditions and if you get the part, great. If not, you're like, oh, well, hope I get something else or whatever. I think that one I might have been precast for. And the, the other, it's like, oh, hey, you got this role and you didn't even know you were up for it sort of thing. And you played a few characters in that game. When did you know that you were going to be reprising your role in the sequels that followed? I didn't know because... Usually, never really know unless it's already been out in the game news and stuff. But I mean, I've recorded for things that say they would get another game and then they just don't decide to make an English version or they don't decide to release it over here. I mean, that's pretty rare, but it does happen occasionally. So, whenever people tweet being like, hey, there's a sequel to this game that you're in coming out, are you going to be in it if they decide to license and dub it? And you also appeared in a game called. Honey Pop. How did that come about? That was through Brittany, who you mentioned that you had on your show before. She let me know about the opportunity because I guess they needed to recast for my character. I'm not sure if the original actress just couldn't do it anymore, didn't want to do it, or what's going on. But she's like, yeah, there's an opening for this game. I mean, I didn't know it was going to be like this huge viral game. I'm just like okay and doing like the kind of like etchy content didn't really bother me that much because obviously having done anime and jrpgs there's a lot of things that are just really pushing that boundary so it's just my voice it doesn't really bother me and speaking about pushing boundaries you were also in a game dead or alive five that is actually one of the roles that i was most excited about to ever get because i love fighting games it was always my dream to be in a fighting game i was a boss character in a game called skull girls but you got against her at the end of the story mode so being able to play a character that I could actually play was so much fun I mean not a lot of people play Dead or Alive sadly there's not like a huge tournament scene for it but I would obsessively look up all the videos online of people playing Honoka and got it the game myself as soon as it came out and that was just like the coolest experience so I really hope I get to do more fighting games in the future and you have performed in both anime voice acting as well as video game voice acting What is the major difference between the two for you? Anime voice acting is pretty much always going to be restricted by timing because it's already animated to what the Japanese dialogue was and you've got to match that. There's no room for, I think I'm going to take my time with this line or change the intensity or this or that because it has to fit whatever's going on with the picture. And that's not to say that voice actors don't ever have any creative freedom in kind of making the character their own too because that's definitely a thing. But when the visual's already there, you got to make it fit. So that can be tough because of the timing. It has to be so precise. Video games sometimes do have timelines but a lot of times instead of having to match exactly to a picture it'll be like here's the original clip in Japanese I just did a game today where it was like this line she screams for three seconds so you also have to scream for three seconds not like 100% exact but it has to be pretty close so I would listen to it and then try to match that link but a lot of times in games especially visual novel style or characters having dialogue with each other it's not time restricted so you can have a lot more freedom with the 
borderline that way. Sometimes you'll hear the original Japanese, sometimes you won't. Like with Disgaea, everything was just very fast. It was kind of like we got a script with our characters' lines, and we would just do like a take or two of each, and we wouldn't hear the Japanese. I mean, I like being able to hear the reference personally because it gives me an idea of where they were going with their intensity and emotion and this and that, and it can be helpful if you just don't really have any context within the script as to what's going on. But I know some actors are like, I'm fine with not having a reference because it's more freedom or whatever. And you also have been involved in animation and a bridge series. How did you yeah. get involved with Adam Tilford, who was on this podcast on his project, The Shattered Heaven? He's actually going to be animating a show that I wrote at some point in the future. It's called Dragon Star Story of Competitive Gaming. And it's basically about these high school students who are in a gaming club and the main character is kind of like, I want to get good at fighting games and then she kind of has to assess her motivation for doing that and stuff like that. So that's obviously something to look out for. It was on hiatus up until recently, but hopefully we'll be getting things going again soon. And of course I voice Shattered Heaven for him as Amy. And you also worked on Final Fantasy VII, Machina Abridged, and Helsing Ultimate Abridged. How'd you get involved in those two? Well, I think I had like one line in the Helsing one, but for Final Fantasy, I was Aerith, so I had a bit bigger role, obviously, and that was really cool. The guys who do Team Four Star are my good friends, so, you know, it's just kind of like, hey, we know your voice, we think you might be a good fit for this character, can you send us a sample, sort of thing. And then that was also, they directed live over Skype, and so we recorded from home, because for like a bridge series and things like that, it's a really specific delivery that the writers usually have in mind, because that's how the comedy is going to work. So you kind of have to nail that just right and being directed live. You know, otherwise you're going to be doing a million takes. Is this what they wanted for this line? <laughs> it's the same thing for when I record for 50% off. I'm friends with the person who makes it and I usually just like go over to his place and record my line so he can direct. And you're also involved in Death Battle as the beloved Toph Beifong. Mm-hmm. How'd you get involved in this show? And that was something that I wanted to get into for a while. And I kind of found out, oh, they have a mailing list that they do auditions with and a new friend who could get me onto the mailing list. So I auditioned for her and then ended up getting the part, which is really cool. And we mentioned Dragon Star. Do you have any idea how it will be released and how it can be viewed? The general plan is YouTube. Ideally, if it gets big or this or that, it would be really cool to do like a screening at a convention or something. And I know Adam has done that for some of Shattered Heaven, but for now, probably YouTube. I mean, the nice thing about the internet is it enables you to get your content out there so much more easily. And how can people help to support Dragon Star? We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash dragonstarseries. So definitely like the Facebook page. And we have all the dialogue recorded for the first episode, but just working out some other things. So eventually we'll get something out there. Don't worry. And then before we get into promos, do you have any advice for people who want to get into the anime and voice acting industry? Learning to act is the most important thing. I know every actor will tell you this, and I'm always going to say that, but it's true because so much of the time, that's what it's about. It's not like how many funny voices you can do it's about how well you can portray the character and that's the most important thing so even if it's like theater class or something like that that's really going to be helpful the other thing that i suggest is to get involved with online voice acting do hobby you can go to these sites and audition it's just a lot of fun and it's a really good way to kind of get practice and decide like hey is this something that you really want to do 
And then finally, do you have anything you would like to promote? Today is a good day for promoting because the game Stella Glow just came out, which I mentioned briefly earlier. I play the character of Dorothy, who's another fun, evil little mean girl. Aldnoa Zero for season two was just announced that I'm going to be playing Princess Lemrina. And that's kind of like outside of my usual archetype too. So I'm excited to see what people think about that. Xenoblade Chronicles X, I'm going to be one of the voice options you can pick for the theme player character. So that was you know, a really big, exciting one for me. And then, of course, um, Tales of Zestiria. Can you hear me? That's Edna. And Facebook page, Twitter. My Facebook page is slash Kira Voices. My Twitter is at Rina Chan. My Instagram is Killer Coffee Queen. You can pretty much feel free to follow me on anything. I just want to say before we go, everybody, that thank you for listening to this week's podcast. And as always, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and a bunch of other places where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can check out my website, popanimecomics.com, for articles relating to anime, comics, wrestling, and pop culture, as well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics for all updates regarding this podcast, as well as the website. And I hope to see you as a subscriber following me on this podcast, checking me out on Twitter, reading my website. Until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.